Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Talking Biotech podcast. This week, we're going to talk about an issue with bleeding, or even more importantly, stopping bleeding. Now, bleeding is an interesting process because as blood moves, we have to walk a very fine line between this issue of blood that flows and blood coagulates or glutinates or, or forms of thrombus or the platelets grab and, and a, an elaborate cascade of events occurs that allows bleeding to stop. And you can see how this is pivotal to existence, that if you lose the blood, you can't anymore, you know, move oxygen throughout the body. At the same time, if you create clots too easily, you can have other types of problems as well, such as heart attack, stroke, or other types of thrombosis. So there's this very fine line that the body has to walk in an elaborate feedback cascade between clotting and not clotting. At the same time, there's been an issue with uh, how do you treat a catastrophic bleeding event or, or someone who's experiencing significant blood loss. And in the past, there have been certain tools to do it, but new tools exist now. Today, we're speaking with Joe Landolina. He's the co-founder and CEO of Cresolon, and they're coming to us with new ideas about how to stop bleeding. So welcome to the podcast, Joe. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. This is an interesting idea because of many facets, including that these solutions are plant-based. So let's talk about first what the problem really is. I, I did that little bit of an intro there about bleeding and clotting and things, but did I mostly get that right? So, so you did, but the biggest issue in stopping bleeding, especially traumatic or excessive hemorrhage, is that the body is such a dynamic system. And, and as an engineer myself, when we look to design products for the system, you can have the best product in the world, the best clotting agent in the world. But if that blood clot is getting washed away and is flowing downstream, it does nothing for the injury itself. Uh, so you need to design technologies that not only allow the body to form a blood clot, uh, but also stay in place for the duration of treatment. Uh, and, and that really is the key in what we do with Cresolon. Well, let's start by defining the problem. How frequent are issues of traumatic blood loss and where do we most commonly see that happening? Sure. So bleeding occurs just about everywhere. And, and in animal health, which is one of the, the first markets that we enter with our, with our product Vetagel, uh, there are over 3 million bleeds every single year in animal health in the U.S. alone that require a product to, uh, to stop that bleed. And, and this ranges from everything from tiny dental extractions all the way up to massive hemorrhage, arterial or venous bleeding. And if we look at a statistic from the US military, we can see that 91% of battlefield deaths are due to what we call preventable hemorrhage. Um, and, and that means that if only there were a product to stop bleeding more efficiently, we, we could make a strong difference, uh, not only in the operating room, but also in the field and point of care. Well, let's hit that number again. You said 91% of battlefield injuries? Exactly. So, so 91% of what, we, what they class as preventable deaths um, come from or, or due to hemorrhage. Wow. And do you have any statistics or any general idea of how much of that 
applies to other types of uh, accidents, like automobile accidents, for in instance, like that you have so much bleeding on site that you just can't treat any of the other trauma. Exactly. I, I mean, that, that statistic applies only to battlefield injuries. Uh, so if we think about all of the other categories of bleeding, especially traumatic bleeding from motor vehicle accidents to, to violent um, crime that results in things like gunshot wound or, or stab wound, that, those numbers are, are staggering. And on top of that, if we think about the average time of response, especially in the United States, the, the average time of response is, is minutes, uh, sometimes uh, over 10 minutes to get an ambulance or a medic to the point of care where a patient is experiencing bleeding. So by the time that you as a medic get to a patient or to a casualty, time is of the essence. So every single second that you can save with a product that can stop bleeding faster will, will help save that patient's life. Yeah, I, I don't know that people really appreciate how fast blood can move out of a body. And I know that I've seen examples of arterial bleeding before where the pressure in the artery system, uh, arterial system from the heart is so high. I mean, the blood, the blood literally moves meters and it, and just, you know, a pint of blood on the ground looks like a lot. I mean, it, you really, really lose blood fast in some instances. And so what are the, really the, the current suite of remedies to approach this kind of catastrophic or traumatic bleeding? Sure. So at the very top end uh, of, of, the, of the, the chain for products like this, especially traumatic products, the vast majority work by using some sort of impregnated gauze. Uh, so you take a, a strand of gauze, usually three meters, and you impregnate it with some sort of clotting agent. And back in the day, that used to be zeolite, which was effectively a solid state acid that, that causes uh, rapid coagulation. And, and today, the, the, that, that technology is mainly kaolin, which is effectively a clay. And what that does aggregate and activates platelets. And, and that, with compression, uh, will control traumatic bleeding in somewhere around five to seven minutes, ideally. However, the vast majority of, uh, of patients uh, that have been left to bleed for some time experience uh, trauma-induced coagulopathy, meaning that as you bleed out, your blood factors bleed out first. Uh, so if you have a product that, that's reliant on the clotting cascade, odds are by the time that you get to that patient, that clotting cascade has been diminished. Uh, so that there is a strong benefit to having a product that works primarily in a mechanical fashion. Whereas and today, most of the products, uh, the mechanical or the mechanical action that comes is from pressure, is from the medic applying their own pressure to the bleed uh, and everything else is chemical. It seems that even Back when I would take first aid, you know, pressure was the main thing that he would do. I've been on scenes of automobile wrecks, first person on where I've actually had to do it. And that's kind of scary because you never know. Sometimes, you know, the, the blood these days, if, you know, this was actually, that was back in the nineties, back when everyone was really worried about HIV transmission through blood. We didn't know exactly how it was transmitted. And so it was always a concern. What about something like where you had severe arterial bleeding, where they would say apply a tourniquet, where you're basically life or limb kind of situation. Are products like this, like, you know, what, what you're talking about, and we'll get to your product in a second. Are they really kind of working towards that level of blood loss? So, so it depends. And if, if you look at the, if you look at the medic or, or the, the warfighter of today, there, there's a, a committee called TCCC, which, uh, which provides SOPs for treatments of various types of injuries, including hemorrhage. And uh, in most cases, the easiest form of controlling bleeding 
on a limb is tourniquet application. So I, I've, I've been through TCCC training myself. And the first thing that gets hammered into your mind is that if you can put a tourniquet on it, put the tourniquet on it, because that, that will be far easier than anything that, that works through, through pressure or through chemical action, because especially if you're a medic, that there was a saying that I came across once, which is uh, one casualty on a battlefield leads to four more casualties uh, because you, you require medical staff uh, to both evacuate and treat the cat. And the more that you can uh, do to keep that medic hands-free uh, and, and focus on the job at hand, the better. So so tourniquets definitely have their their spot in the portfolio where things start to break down or when you have junctional hemorrhage or, or hemorrhage in an area where you cannot apply a tourniquet. No, I, I totally get it. That's what it was really interesting about learning about this technology is that this is a matrix that ceases blood flow within seconds, but it's a plant-based product. And being a plant biologist, it makes me wonder, you know, what exactly are you using from a plant that is translating to stopping hemorrhaging in a human? Definitely. So our technology is based on two polysaccharides that are derived from the cell wall of algae. And what I'd like to take a step back on is just look at the material as a whole. And really what we're doing is we're creating a material uh, that works as a really great adhesive, even in the face of an incredibly wet field. So meaning even if you have a field that's completely covered in blood with pumping arterial hemorrhage, what we want to do is design a set of material properties uh, that can still be adhesive in the situation, that can be just viscous enough or just heavy enough that if it's placed in an area of high pressure flow, it doesn't get blown away, but just flowable enough that it can flow into all of the nooks and crannies of the wound. And what we do is we, we do that by creating a composite material of two well-known and biocompatible polysaccharides. Uh, and we create a, a viscous gel out of it, which is, a, if you've seen videos of our technology, it's effectively the consistency of hummus, uh, where it's a highly viscous paste that can get topically deployed. And once it goes on, in two and a half seconds or less, uh, you can create immediate hemostasis, but more importantly, it allows the body to create a fibrin patch underneath. So if you remove that material, if you remove the gel, what you're left with is an endogenous fibrin patch, meaning a fibrin patch that's been created only of the body's own materials that is remained behind. And unlike other materials or products that are porous, the clot that forms does not get incorporated within our material. So if you take off the gel, the clot stays behind intact. Okay, that was my other big question. But you know, now you're going to have to pardon my ignorance a little bit here and kind of hang with me here. You know, I've had uh, injuries before that have been extremely, have had some bleeding and maybe had some compounds in them that were actually limiting the ability of the blood to clot. And I was in a remote area and I used a tube of super glue to, to, to close it up. And it worked. It sounds like you're in a similar vein that you're using a polysaccharide compound, something that is, that's working as an adhesive. But here's the, here's the part that I don't get. This compound kind of comes as a piece that's in a syringe that you apply to the wound or to whatever. But why does it not just work as an adhesive in, in, inside the tube? You see what I'm saying? It's not like a two-part epoxy that you put together that a chemical reaction occurs. Or is it some sort of reaction that's happening with oxygen or with the body? Or, or what makes it form a patch for the wound? you know, on the wound itself and maybe not in other contexts. Perfect. So, so it's really a two-stage response. Uh, so the, the first stage is thixotropic, which I'll explain in a second. And the second stage is ionic, uh, which I'll also exp explain. 
So thixotropic fluids uh, like cornstarch and water are, are those that when you flow it out of the syringe, the material properties change as a function of movement of this fluid. So that means that the gel, as you deploy it out of the syringe, will thin considerably. And when it hits the wound, it'll immediately recoil uh, and, and thicken up. And especially if you apply pressure to it, it becomes thicker and thicker as you apply that pressure. Uh, and, and that allows it uh, to in the syringe be a, a paste or, or, or flowable gel. And then as you deploy it, it thins down and then thickens up to actually grab onto the wound and help along with that, that adhesive uh, action. The second is through ionic action and ion transfer uh, between the gel and the tissue itself uh, will allow the gel's function to be only temporary. And what that means is that as time goes on from the blood, from the surrounding tissue, ions from the body will transfer into the gel and that will reduce the adhesive profile uh, because what you want in an injury like this is you want the body to be able to create its own clot. The worst thing that you can do in a massive hemorrhage is to have the gel itself, which is a, a massive bolus, connected to the fibrin patch because as the patient breathes, as the patient moves, you're very likely to have the gel, if it's stuck to fibrin, pull that fibrin off. And, and, and that that's what we see with a lot of other ways that we treat bleeds. And, and that's one of the reasons why with cyanoacrylate or with a, uh, with a super glue, why it doesn't work on very large hemorrhage because cyanoacrylate is activated by water. And if you put this into a, if you put this into a large pool of blood, it will immediately all react uh, and it doesn't do anything to the, to the tissue below it. And when it does, it's irreversible or, or at the very least, very difficult to remove. Uh, and what we want is a material that can be dynamic, that can help the body do what it does best and then be easily removable at the end so that you're not destroying tissue or causing necrosis. I guess a lot of people may be thinking there's been other ways that we see used around the house. You know, for instance, you know, cornstarch, you know, when you have a, a dog that has an injury like a toenail or something, they tell you to put cornstarch on it. Is this the same kind of thing like activating some sort of polysaccharides that are present in plant stuff that that form this or are these specialized polysaccharides from so it, it's a little bit of both actually and that's one of the benefits where these materials have been used in the industry before and as a result their toxicologies are well understood their pathways are well understood and that allows us to have much more confidence in this material because it's not entirely and that means that we see things like we see in other plant-based hemostatics where we see factor 12 activation. We see things like platelet aggregation, um, and we know what they will do when they get put in contact with the body. But on the other hand, these materials, in order to form the right material properties or, or the rheological properties that allow us to do what we do, we have to purify them and select them in a, in a very distinct and, and, and frankly proprietary way that allows this material to stand up the way that it does to high pressure. Uh, so if you were to take R2 polymers and buy them off of Sigma or, or off of Amazon and mix them together, even in the exact same way that we have, you'd get a gel that looks like ours, but that would not stop bleeding. Okay. That, see, that, that helps a lot because I've, I'm trying to picture, you know, how this can work. It seems almost like a little bit of magic, especially when you start talking about, you know, factor 12 and all of the other factors. And, you know, I won't bore the audience to death with how clotting work, but it's, it's a real, very careful orchestration. So how does this stuff work in a, it's a, so does it work in a mechanical way that does not trigger other types of clotting? So in other words, you know, no indiscriminate clotting that could lead to any other thrombogenic events, like maybe, you know, heart attack or stroke. 
Sure. So one of the benefits of this material is its hyper-localized response, meaning when you put this into tissue, you will only see fibrin production right at the barrier, right at the surface of the gel. And, and that, that layer is typically so thin that, that it does not progress uh, into the blood vessel. And because our product is a single bolus and it doesn't break up, it means that you're at the very least, uh, it, it doesn't increase the, the risk of thromboembolism. To the, and then uh, beyond that, I mean, the material properties that we have are primarily mechanical, which is very important. Uh, so we had in our animal health product, Vetagel, a few weeks ago, we had a patient which was a, an exotic cat that had ingested rodenticide. And, and, that, and rodenticide works by completely reducing the ability uh, of the body to produce a clot. Uh, so this patient was effectively bleeding water. And, and our product was still able to be efficacious in that scenario. And, and while you can't remove the product, leaving behind an endogenous clot, if you leave it in place, it, it shows that that mechanical action is, is primary to the, to the mode of action of our product. Well, this is really fascinating stuff and really solves an important problem. So we're speaking with Joe Landolina. He's the CEO and co-founder of Cresselon, and they're coming up with new types of algal-based strategies to be able to stop bleeding, which is a really important process to be able to stop sometimes. <laughs> so this is Collabra's Talking Biotech Podcast, and we'll be back in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Collabra, the data monitoring platform designed to reveal research insights and streamline reporting across your organization. With Collabra, you'll gain a comprehensive view of your research workflows, simplifying scientific IP governance, compliance, and analysis. Visit Collabra.app to learn how you can transform your research process today. C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P. -P. And now we're back on the Talking Biotech podcast by Collabra. We're speaking with Joe Landolina. He's the CEO and co-founder of Cresselon. We're talking about a product that they've created that allows bleeding to stop in seconds, which can revolutionize a lot of immediate blood-associated traumatic events. And before the break, we were talking about the me mechanism and how this was working. But I have maybe some big picture application questions like, is this the kind of thing that you can use on an internal bleed as well as, you know, say, an external wound? like maybe some sort of an aortic aneurysm, something like that, where if you could get the patient open, that you could stop that faster? Exactly. And that, that's one of our bread and butter indications is, is internal. And, and we were talking earlier before the break about superglue and how superglue can work on external bleeds. If you tried to use something like that internally, you would create damage to the tissue. And with a product like this, there's a strong benefit to being able to stop a hepatic injury uh, with a plant-based biocompatible matrix uh, that does not cause tissue necrosis and can resorb into the body. And, and, and again, that's another benefit of a plant-based material, that these plant-based materials will break down by hydrolysis over time so that they can be left in the abdomen. And what, what kind of polysaccharides are these? I know you mentioned this earlier that they're algal-derived, but what kind of uh, molecules are they and, and why are they so special? So as a plant-based uh, or as a plant biologist, you're going to laugh uh, because the, the chemical names are so common. I mean, I remember I, I used these as a kid working in a lab. I mean, they, they are, and we use a variant of sodium alginate uh, and we use a variant that, that's alkyl derived of, and, and these, 
these materials, again, and the, the trick here is the way that we purify them. But from a chemical name and from a chemical species, uh, these are super simple and common materials uh, that we're able to blend together in the way. But like I said, if you took any old alternate from Sigma from Amazon, or you took any old Kydazin uh, from Sigma for Amazon, and you mix them together, you wouldn't get something that worked. The, the trick here is the way we, we mix those together. It's really fascinating stuff. That kind of repurposing what nature already made to solve problems in, in Al-Qaeda, especially to be able to come up with a solution for a problem in, in fungal fungi more than anything else, I guess. But let's talk a little bit more about, you know, its application. A lot of discussion around bandages and band-aids, that kind of thing, that they've said, well, we're going to uh, start to impregnate these other compounds like antibiotics or even growth hormone to speed the healing of the wound. Is that kind of on the radar with uh, this kind of product? And so while that's not something we have an indication for right now, it, it definitely, at least the, the engineer in me, uh, sees no issue with being able to impregnate this matrix with anything and, and being able to give it a variable profile, meaning that if you want something to elute immediately or elute over the course of a few weeks, uh, that's doable with the way that this matrix is set up. And so looking at the delivery of antibiotics or, or other therapeutics is something that, that's definitely on our radar. And you mentioned before that this is being used in veterinary applications. And can you give us an idea of what some of the more common usages are? And are there any particular stories you've heard of where this really made the difference in saving an animal's life? Yeah, of course. So we, and what's interesting is that some of the bleeds that you see in, in animal health may not seem as traumatic or, or as hard to stop, but it, like dentistry, as an example, if you're a dog, you can't hold gauze on your own tooth for 25 minutes after waking up from, from a procedure in order to stop the bleeding. So that means that they have to keep an animal under anesthesia, increasing the risk of the patient and increasing the cost and clocking up an OR table while they're waiting for dental bleeds to stop. Uh, so dentistry is about 10% of the bleeds in the entire animal health market. And that's something where really it's, it's bread and butter uh, for us, being able to put this into a, into a tooth socket and then remove it about 15 seconds later. That also helps in complicated surgeries where it makes it easy if you break a root to see where the root is and, and, and where jawbone starts uh, so that you're not drilling into bone, you're drilling into tooth. And it really allows a surgeon in this space to have, even in something that's a relatively minor bleed, to have, to, well, on one hand, to be able to see more patients in a single day. Uh, and to have more confidence in their own technique to be able uh, to not injure the patient and, and improve outcomes. We've also seen this product be used in amputations. Uh, we've seen this product be used in enucleations, which, which are the loss of the eye. Uh, and the eye is served by both an artery and a vein that can retract into the skull. And those bleeds can be the same is true with spay procedures. So the, the ovarian pedicle is incredibly friable tissue, uh, meaning that it can break under pressure and if that pedicle retracts into, into tissue, those bleeds can be life-threatening and, and no one expects to see their animal die on the, on the table when they go in for a simple procedure like that. But a product like this gives a lot more confidence to the, uh, to the surgeon. Uh, and then we've also seen more complex surgeries uh, where I, I was lucky enough to be able to observe a number of cases in uh, oncology where tumors, in order to gain more oxygen to help them grow faster, they fenestrate their capillaries, meaning that they make the capillaries leaky uh, so that more oxygen flows into the surrounding tissue. So if you cut through 
cancerous tissue, it bleeds and it bleeds significantly. And you, what you don't want to do is, is use a lot of electrocautery uh, because you're causing tissue necrosis. Uh, so having a product that can control that type of bleed, especially if there's a tumor around an artery or, or a major vein, that gives a lot more confidence to the surgeon, reduces operating times, which saves cost. Now that's really good. I, is this something that could have a consumer animal application sometime soon? And the reason I ask is, you know, we, I live on a farm and we have a lot of animals that because of either an accident or maybe an attack of a predator that you get bleeding events that you have to stop and have to treat. And, you know, emergency vets are extremely expensive and you usually have to put an animal down rather than do that. Plus it usually happens, you know, at a super inconvenient time and it's far away. You know, most people who are on farms are, are minutes to hours away from a veterinary facility. So is, is there any room for this kind of thing for a home-based application? So a, a consumer product is definitely well on our radar, both for animal use as well as for, for human use eventually. However, the product that we have currently on the market was really designed by packaging and by training for use by surgeons. And so it, it will not be immediate that we release a product like this, but I, I definitely see the use. Yeah, I do too. I wish we had some here last week. <laughs> we had a goose who got his head caught. Uh, he, it's mating season and they do dumb things and end up getting caught on the neck and you get some bleeding and it's very difficult to control with, uh, you know, medicine cabinet solutions. But what about uh, humans? So you mentioned all this for veterinary application. Seems like, you know, human trauma is going to be the big one, especially military or in first responders. When is this expected to be available for that application? Sure. So we're, we're in a really exciting time right now at Cresselon because we filed in November of last year for our first human use and uh, with the FDA. So we're expecting that the FDA should clear that product for use in humans sometime this year. Um, and that means that we'll be able to continue our mission of saving lives by expanding to human lives. Does having it be a natural compound or a compound at least derived from algae change the FDA's evaluation process or you know, you're not testing some sort of synthetic analog of some other kind of drug, you're using something that is already made and, you know, does that change the dynamic of this at all? So while I can't speak for the FDA, it definitely makes the regulatory process simpler from our perspective because we have two materials that have been used before on the market and that lends itself incredibly well to the 510K's predicate device program, uh, meaning that if you can show that there is technology that has already had an established safety and efficacy profile, it, it shortens the path to market. And that's something uh, that has been very helpful. Well, what are the next level spinoff events of this kind of technology? Are there other applications that we haven't discussed here that might be on your radar? So from, from our perspective, we are I'm working right now for a, a general external hemostatic indication. From there, we'll go into trauma use. We're looking at the looking at military and emergency, even things like dentistry. Uh, we're on the human side, uh, being able to stop a molar from bleeding in two seconds, as opposed to waiting all day, especially if you're a patient on blood thinners, to uh, to get that tooth under control, could be a game changer, even if it may not be life threatening bleeding. And then looking at this as a as a surgical hemostatic device is something that we're working to bring to market as well. But then beyond that, like we mentioned and discussed earlier in this, in this conversation is 
taking the technology, which having a biocompatible plant-based matrix that stays in place and doesn't go away until you want it to is helpful for other applications. Uh, so things like potentially branching out into drug delivery or therapeutic delivery, a tissue regeneration and, and so on are well within the scope of what this technology can do. Yeah. I love the dental application. I, I lost a tooth a couple of years ago in an accident and, and you know, it's amazing how much they bleed when they come out. <laughs> but we do. And it, it's, it's something where it, it's, it's amazing. So I, I also had the opportunity to shadow a, a veterinary dental uh, practitioner and, and just seeing and how much blood there actually is and how difficult it is to see what you're doing and having something that, that can clean up the field uh, and, and help the patient recover sooner is, is, uh, is a game changer. It's really interesting that I didn't even occur to, this didn't occur to me earlier, that one of the huge applications must be in people with, with genetic clotting deficiencies. So folks with different types of hemophilia or factor five, things like this, are there opportunities to treat them in ways that would maybe be life-saving? Exactly. And, and again, that is the benefit of having a device that, that works primarily by mechanical action. And while you can't pull the product off immediately, you have to wait for that clot to form naturally. It allows the same type of, uh, of confidence in hemostasis, uh, whether you have a clotting compromised patient or a, or, or a healthy patient. No, I, I love it. So if anyone wanted to know more about the product or its progress uh, through the, the approval process, where would they look? So I would direct anyone who's interested to our website, which is www.cresilon.com, C-R-E-S-I-L-O-N.com. And do you have a account on Twitter or social media? So we, we do. We have Instagram, which is at Cresilon. We have Instagram at Vetagel underscore US. We also have a Facebook page under the same, a LinkedIn page uh, and, and a Twitter uh, with the same. Yeah, I think I'll follow because I think it's cool. I think you guys could put up uh, success stories from veterinary applications and win a few hearts and minds. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining me today. We were speaking with Joe Landolina. He's the co-founder and CEO of Cresselon. And thank you for what you do and looking forward to exciting products in the future. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. It was a pleasure talking to you today. And as always, thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. It's not always DNA that does the magic. Sometimes other biomolecules can have important roles in application and solving important human problems. So this is the Talking Biotech Podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, scientists can work together in real time sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at collabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.